Welcome to Market Scale Education Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with not one, but two doctors, which usually would make me nervous, but today it has me very excited. First, we are going to be having a part of our conversation with Dr. Dwayne Harapnik. He is a program professor and visiting professor, clinical instructor at Lamar University. Good morning, Dwayne. Good morning. And we're also joined by Dr. Talissa Thibodeau. She is also an assistant professor and program professor of digital learning at Lamar University. Good morning, Dr. Thibodeau. Good morning. So let's do a little bit of house cleaning from the beginning. Uh, Dr. H, could you give me just the elevator pitch on your bona fides? Tell me a little bit about the history that you have as far as education. Well, I uh, started like a lot of educators uh, did in uh, their careers. I I saw that there was a problem with a system and I wanted to find a way to fix it. And so I've spent almost the last 30 years looking for ways to find uh, and use technology to enhance the learning environment. And so my entire academic career, right from my graduate work on to the work I'm doing in the digital learning and leading program uh, today at, at Lamar University, is focused on finding ways that we can just make the learning environment the most amazing place. And technology allows us to do that. So that's my focus. It's been my focus for a long time. And I get up every day excited about the opportunities that the, the day presents. That's it in a nutshell. And Dr. Thibodeau, let's go all the way back to your days as a kindergarten teacher in Florida, if you would. I started out as my first job was a kindergarten teacher in Florida and actually Fort Myers. I'm an FGCU grad. Um, and one of my um, main priorities was to find out what really triggered um, excitement and passion in learners. And I was never one to really stay inside the box. And I tried innovative ways and used technology um, to, to kind of make that change happen with my um, kindergartners and allowing them to be um, experimental and collaborative and use some active learning and, and, and really just focus on some authentic projects that would uh, allow them to, to go after their dreams and their passions. So kind of like Dr. H, tying it back to the learning and using technology to support that. Um, and so that's where I went on to, to get my doctoral degree, um, instructional technology, distance education. And I found myself here at Lamar being able to uh, inspire other teachers across the nation to do what I did um, back when I was a, a you know an early on teacher. Well, I have an interesting direction that I'd like to go, or at least it's interesting to me. As the father of a of a child with autism, I've learned that a primary point in education success is communication, the ability to communicate. And there are challenges that come not just with children on the autism spectrum, but with students of all ages. It's a matter of perspective. You as an educator have to be able to put yourself in the perspective of that individual student to figure out the best way to transmit information to them. How does technology help us facilitate that change in point of view? I think technology gives us an opportunity to 
create the right type of a context for communication to happen effectively. Communication um, and effective communication, and, and Sean, I'm quite sure you, you recognize the importance of communication in terms of a two-way type of a communication. It's a dialogue or it's an interaction between one or two or more people. Effective communication usually happens within some sort of a context. And technology is an amazing tool that can either set the context or help facilitate the context. In the digital learning program that we do at Lamar University, we emphasize something called voice, student voice. And we know how important it is for students to find their own voice. And in finding their voice, we give students an opportunity through the e-portfolio assignments, through uh, sharing the work they're doing on their innovation projects with others. We give them an opportunity to express what they're doing. And in that process of expressing what they're doing with technology on a blog post, in a video, or, or creating something else, they, they start to listen to themselves or read themselves. And, and that is when learning becomes transformative because that is one aspect of communication where we, we need to we need to listen to ourselves when we're talking to sort of sort out these ideas and, and make sure that we are on the right track. So um, I, I think technology is just the most amazing tool that helps us be much more efficient. Uh, Talissa, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about when you mentioned the context and everything that we do in the Lamar University Digital Learning and Leading Master's Program, we give uh, our learners those opportunities to have choice. And, and that's really, you know, how, how do they want to present and structure, organize what they're doing? Um, and in and, and doing so, you know, they build out their voice. So really their voice is a manifestation of their choices. And as they're continuing continuing to communicate and share their ideas and engage others, they're building that ownership piece where they own their own learning um, and, and take an agency initiative over that. And what we found is that for all of this to happen, it has to be situated within an authentic learning context. So, you know, for a child with autism, you know, they use the PECS systems. Um, I know somewhat about that, um, but it's got to be something authentic and uh, to that particular learner, whether it's the teacher or the student, it has to be something they're passionate about. Um, and, and that's where we go into choice, ownership, and voice through authentic learning opportunities situated within significant learning environments. And we use technology as the catalyst to help us um, move that move that forward. And, and that's the, the medium in which they use to communicate and engage others with their ideas. So does that enter that um, conversation? Kind of good response to that? Absolutely. And, you know, I've always felt that technology can be used to teach, but also used to learn. And, and to clarify that, I mean, that there is a certain amount of ego that is involved in the education process. And there are students who would much prefer to learn something than to be taught something. Does that make sense, that distinction? Well, actually, I, I, I don't know if the ego comes into play. Maybe it does. And, and, and that, that is, I, I think there's a little bit written about that in, in the literature. But you are, you are so right. Learning is what really has to happen. I, I would almost argue that the learner owns all of the learning and a teacher's responsibility is to create 
the significant learning environment which will facilitate that learning. Um, there's many, many um, uh, acclaimed philosophers and, and, and educators who've made the argument that they haven't been able to teach anybody anything because it's up to the learner to learn. So you've got to create that context. Now, you can transfer information. You can deliver content and you can get a, a learner to regurgitate that content in a paper or in an exam or something like that. But that's not learning. That's simply the uh, repetition of information. Uh, unfortunately, we, we, we rely on that a bit too much within our educational system. And I don't think we, we focus enough on the learning. Within, within our digital learning and leading program, we do give our students choice, ownership, and voice through authentic learning opportunities. And we emphasize the learner. Um, and one of our primary goals is to have teachers create a significant learning environment in their own classrooms or in their context where they give their own learners that choice, ownership, and voice. Once that learner has that authentic learning opportunity, they actually take over uh, the learning process and, and through guidance and direction and, and guided discovery, we can come alongside that learner and help them really um, make that learning experience our own. So learning is the priority. Teaching isn't. Learning is a priority. And if I can just hinge on that, uh, some of the work and the literature that we do follows Dewey, Bruner, Papert, Piaget, and, and other theorists who advocate that learning is active. It's it's social process as well, which uh, learners, you know, they construct their ideas based on some of their, their current knowledge and their past knowledge um, and experiences. But one thing I mentioned last night at, at, at a in the Cardinal Center for Advanced Leadership, I did a, a I was an invited guest uh, speaker, um, is that we focus too much in classrooms today on a standard and not necessarily an outcome, a student learning outcome. And when I when I shared this with the school districts that were in attendance across the state of Texas, heads were nodding and eyes were connecting with me. And um, after everything was all finished, the, the panelists and the talk was all finished, um, you know, one of the things I had mentioned was we have to untangle this web that Dr. H talks about in this recipe and regurgitation where we're, we're so used to doing what we've done in the past that we're unwilling to make adjustments and changes so that we can be innovative and that learning can actually take place and helping our kids learn how to learn. So when Dr. H says we come alongside them um, and we act as um, mentors, facilitators, guides, coaches, that's us um, trying to help them figure out ways that they, they learn how to learn so that they can in turn go out and impact their students um, to help them learn how to learn. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, one of the things to go along with what you both mentioned as far as context, I find that the growth of technology, specifically as it's being applied to education, a book is nice, but it's not necessarily super engaging. Some student will respond much more positively to information being presented to them on a tablet or an interactive whiteboard or some other sort of platform other than just a hardbound book. And I think changing the arena in which the learner is allowed to stretch really is one of the strongest points that technology allows us. Sean, I, I think you've really identified um, one of the central aspects about technology that excites me, and, and you're so right. Um, a, a book is actually great. It is. It, it can be useful, and if you're engaged in the, in the material of the book, it can be useful, <clears throat> but that isn't always the case. But 
adding a video, adding a podcast, adding an, an infographic, adding an opportunity to dialogue through technology, through what we're doing like this morning. Um, we, we don't have to be limited anymore in the way that we look at how we learn different things. And so technology uh, has put us in a position where it's really never been a better time to be a learner. All the world's information is available to us in the palms of our hands when we're mobile, um, through a variety of different mediums, when we're, when we're uh, in our offices or in our classrooms. It's just an absolute amazing time. In our program, we use video, podcasts, images, audio, we use everything imaginable. Uh, it's so exciting to not just limit the learner anymore to one, you know, as you put it, boring way to present information. And and the other exciting thing that technology allows the learner to do, and, and this is what we emphasize in our program, is that we let the learner choose which technology they want to use, what direction they want to go with. Is a video going to be a wonderful way for them to present their information? Are they going to create a, an infographic? Or are they going to do both? Or are they going to do a podcast? Or are they going to... It, it goes on and on and on. So, you know, technology is an amazing tool that we can use to just leverage uh, the context and the variety of ways that we can engage with ideas. And and, and it's that building of ideas, that, that, that constructing of new knowledge and information information that technology helps facilitate. Uh, Talissa, I know you're excited about this too, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, actually, I'm taking a look at um, some of our research that we've written in, in terms of using technology um, innovations at a, as a catalyst for change and innovation. Um, and um, I'm thinking back to the new culture of learning by Thomas and Celie Brown, and we talk about quite a bit about, you know, this ubiquitous access. It means anytime and anywhere learning. And that in, in and of itself makes it the best time to be a learner, like Dr. H has mentioned. Um, and we don't want to miss these opportunities um, to leverage technology, you know, as a catalyst for change because we're unsure of how to use it or leverage it. But you have to remember students learn by absorption and, and making those tacit connections. And that's what Thomas and Celie Brown mentioned in New Culture of Learning. And Dr. H and I, and Dr. Cummings, one of our colleagues is Director of Online Operations at Lamar University. We have come together to realize through our research that if technology is leveraged carefully within these significant learning environments we talk about and give our learners those opportunities for choice, ownership, and voice through authentic learning, we can fully expect learning to be abundantly deep and meaningful. And that's that, I think, is um, the direction that we're moving. And that's really one of the core premises of our program. It is a great time to be a learner, but it's also becoming a better time to be an educator because you have tools now that help you express the knowledge and the information in so many different ways that maybe it's not in your wheelhouse. Maybe that's not the way you would have normally presented this information, but you're being given the ability to expand as an educator without having the fear that the technology is being built to replace teachers. I like IBM Watson. I think it's a fascinating program, but I don't want it teaching a college level philosophy course because that's not what it's built to do. 
I, I think you've identified something that is really important here, and, and you're so right. Um, in addition to being an amazing time to be a learner, this is an amazing time to be an educator. And I think educators need to embrace this opportunity that we have. We are often experts in a very specific area. Uh, I, I consider myself a learning theorist. I've studied educational technology, and I, I focus on how we use technology to enhance learning. That's my specific area of focus. Um, but I can just as easily bring in other experts into my classroom through their YouTube videos, through a podcast, or bring them in directly with something like the tool that we're using this morning, you know, Skype or Zoom or Ringer. Um, it, you don't have to limit yourself anymore. And, and I think educators today who are embracing the amazing opportunities that are presenting us um, have a, a leg up on giving their learners the opportunity to make a difference. Um, the, the world is just an amazing place and, and we can expand learning well beyond um, the constraints of our classroom by bringing the world into our classroom through the use of technology. Uh, Talissa, again, uh, I know you've got some interesting ideas on this as well. I'll turn it over to you. I think one of the best things we can do as educators is to think about ways we can experiment and have fun with technology because we can, you know, um, a lot of the research will show that, you know, as long as we're not, I mean, this is, John I think it's, um, was it John Hattie? Um, this is, as long as we're not, you know, physically abusing or damaging a child, they're still going to learn. So my thinking is, um, if I were to reverse time and go back, I would be a bit more experimental, a bit more innovate a bit more innovative um, in terms of letting the students have a bit more choice, ownership and voice. If I just kind of, if I, again, going back as an educator to kind of foster that learning environment, kids are going to make those connections. Um, you know, we get so caught up in our learners focusing on a standard, passing a standardized test and just collecting the dots that we don't give those, give those students opportunities to really connect those dots. And as educators, we have to remember um, that uh, as Peter Diamandis says, you know, we might we might go out and do an innovation. It may work. It may not work. And if it doesn't work, we can use failure as an engine for innovation, as an engine for change. And I think I've been there and, and going through that complete cycle from, you know, I've had some failures um, and then I've had some really great successes to kind of balance that out. Um, I've gone through that that process. And, and in order for me to really and truly understand what it takes to be experimental and, and, and put my passion to work. Um, I have to give myself opportunities to fail forward. I have to open my doors a little bit, listen to my students, um, continue thinking about my passion uh, and what um, it takes for me to get where I want to be. And, and understand one thing that my mindset shifts take time. You know, we may not just wake up one day and, and have everything figured out. It takes time for us to move um, from um, one perspective to another, but we have to allow ourselves those opportunities for experimentation as educators um, and, and turning challenges into opportunities for growth. And when we adopt those mindsets, those, those bits there, I think that's where um, change starts to happen and educators start feeling like, you know, they're part of the learning. They're alongside the learning. They're not the person that transmits information or disseminates information. And that mindset, mindset is where I'm hoping to um, inspire our educators in our program to go. I think if I were to try and classify today's educational climate, I would almost term it a renaissance. But I don't think renaissance is accurate because 
this is something that's never existed before. So I think that term lacks a little bit. For our last question today, let's talk about all of those advances. I'm going to put you in the spot. You are an educator. Start with you, Dr. H. What is the one piece of recent technology that you would find it extremely difficult to give up? <laughs> Boy, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't limit it to, to one piece. Uh, allow, me, uh, allow me to aggregate um, the mobile technology. Let, let me call my, my mobile phone, my tablet, my laptop, mobile technology. And with that mobile technology, there's a key thing that, that I use on a daily basis, and that is some form of web-based conferencing, which makes me even more mobile. So the, the notion that I'm up here in, 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 in North Vancouver in Canada, and, and my colleagues are in the southern states or they're in Europe, um, that is an amazing thing, and I, I couldn't work without that. I, I just couldn't work without mobile technology and the able uh, and the ability to communicate with my mobile technology. Sorry, I, I couldn't limit it to one thing. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. And Dr. Thibodeau, um, I think one of the and I knew Dr. H was going to say what he said, um, so I had to think of something else. <laughs> and sorry, that's okay. <laughs> I would have to say. Um, just in line behind the mobile technology is really the cloud. Um, I do so much work in the cloud and sharing and collaborating in the cloud um, as professors, as educators. As a matter of fact, Dr. Hrafnik and I, as we converse on a daily basis, we also share documents, um, go over research studies and projects through the cloud. And we use several different cloud you know, technologies. We'll use whatever we're, you know, using for that day. It might be Microsoft um, OneDrive. It might be um, Google Drive. It might be Dropbox. We've used several different uh, cloud-based uh, softwares to do some of the work that we do. And I think that's key. And it all goes back to that, that ubiquitous access and connectivity that we talk quite a bit about um, in terms of connecting and collaborating with people across the, the world, just as Dr. H and I do on a daily basis. And I think it's completely appropriate that you both chose a form of technology that enhances communication and collaboration as the ones that you would not be willing to give up. Today, I've had the opportunity to communicate and collaborate with Dr. Dwayne Harapnik, program professor, the clinical instructor and visiting professor at Lamar University, and Dr. Talissa Thibodeau, assistant professor and program professor of digital learning, also at Lamar University. Doctors, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 